You are listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Sandy Almendares, Editor-in-Chief. and welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast. I am Sandy and I am so happy to be sitting here with Dr. Taroni Lodog. Hi, Dr. Lodog. Hello, how are you? Great, we are at the Council for Responsible Nutrition Workshop uh, in Dana Point, California. It is so lovely here. Um, And Dr. Lodog spoke earlier today about sleep and the connection that nutrients, specifically botanicals, can have to sleep and how it all plays into this large role of uh, complicated life. Um, For those who don't know Dr. Lodog, uh, you should. She is a physician, author, and educator. She has practiced herbal medicine, midwifery, massage therapy, martial arts. Uh, She's got a degree from the University of New Mexico School of Medicine. Um, She has worked with companies. She has worked with the Department of Defense, the U.S. Pharmacopeia Convention. Um, she She's a wonderful speaker. If you have the opportunity to speak, to hear her speak, I definitely think you should. Uh, she speaks at several events around the industry. So uh, anyway, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. So Dr. Lobdog, during the presentation, you talked about sleep being more than just you know, something that you can do automatically at night, you just fall into bed and sleep, but it's it's an act of faith, it's a ritual, and there's so many other aspects of sleep than just what you ate or, you know, what what time you woke up. So can you talk about that aspect? Certainly. You know, um, a lot of people struggle with sleep, either falling asleep or staying asleep. And for me, it's always been a very, you know, sleep has always been an interesting phenomenon because you know, to to lay down and to basically go unconscious for hours at a time is not something that that seems like it's easy to do, right? I, and this was really driven home to me when I was in Africa, and we were out um, on safari and we were watching the animals. And at night, uh, we were we were following a small group of lionesses uh, and their cubs. And they were just like hunting these gazelles that were laying in the grass. They were sleeping and, you know, like eight of them in an hour, hour and a half died. And and it really, it struck me how tenuous it is when you're asleep that you're not aware of things going on around you. And so when I say that it's like it takes an act of faith, what I really mean is that you know, biologically, if this wasn't important for our survival, I mean, if it wasn't something that was absolutely essential, we would have gotten rid of sleep a long time ago mm-hmm. from an evolutionary perspective. So I think sleep is is complex. I think that um, that in modern times, there's a lot of things that can make it that can make it hard to sleep. A lot of stress, a lot of work, uh, long days, uh, a lot of technology. Um, diets are different. I mean, th- there's just so many things that happen to us today that I think it makes us, um, we have to figure out how we're going to adapt to this environment so that we can sleep and feel rested in the day. Mm-hmm. During your presentation, you talked about what, a dozen or at least 10 different botanicals that can address sleep in some way. Can right. you just give me like your top three favorites and how they help benefit sleep? 
Right, so I think that we want to be clear that most of these botanicals are not alternatives to sleeping pills. They don't work like a sleeping pill, mm -hmm. but they can actually help reduce stress, anxiety, lower cortisol, and make it easier for people to sleep. I really like ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is an adaptogen. It helps the body adapt to stress. Studies have shown that it lowers evening cortisol levels, which a lot of times make people who are feeling very tired, they're really worn out at 9, 9.30, their eyes pop open and they feel like they're wide awake again. Ashwagandha has a very protective effect on our stress biology. So I think ashwagandha can be a, a wonderful herb that can help people who, who have difficulty with sleep and sleep patterns. I also, I really do like the combinations of like valerian with lemon balm or valerian with hops or all three of those. Um, valerian, most people don't take it correctly. Valerian really is intended to be taken over a period of two to four weeks before you really begin to feel its effects. Um, but you know, this is a standard if you were in Europe uh, and you went to a pharmacy and were looking for an over-the-counter product, they're combinations of valerian hops, lemon balms, or passion flower. I think these are very, very useful for people if they take them about an hour before bed and they take them for at least four to six weeks before they decide if they're working mm. or not. Um, and then, not a botanical, but melatonin, I'm also a huge fan of. Um, I, I just, I love melatonin. I think many people struggle with having problems falling asleep, but also they struggle with heartburn. And melatonin also is highly effective at reducing heartburn, especially nocturnal heartburn that's been shown in studies. So melatonin may be a good option for somebody who tries to go to sleep but can't, or who also struggles with nocturnal heartburn. Um, and I usually, in clinical practice, recommend two to three milligrams about two hours before bed. Mm -hmm. um, so those are kind of some of my top ones. There are others, but but you know, chamomile maybe for children. But but in general, I think that there's a number of these plants that can really help reduce our stress and feelings of tension. If we're feeling less stress and tension, I think we'll probably sleep better. Mm -hmm. During the presentation, you were talking a lot about how these that these botanicals haven't really been studied specifically for sleep and that there aren't a lot of double-blind placebo-controlled studies and that really has been set up as what we call the gold standard um, for showing a, a particular ingredient has an effect. Um, and it's even required you know, by some federal, you know, for, for claims and such. But you had an interesting take that this double-blind placebo-controlled study actually is designed to take the practitioner out of the, the, the mix here. And why is that not the best way to go, perhaps? Well, so it's not that I'm opposed to double-blind randomized controlled okay. trials at, at all. Um, it's just that it's interesting in the fact that um, one is that, that the exclusion criteria for many of these studies um, are so are so are so great there you exclude patients with first with so many things that it doesn't represent a lot of times the patients that I see in my office mm -hmm. so how applicable is that study to my patient population and the other thing is you know when it's a double blind placebo controlled randomized trial one of the things you're blinding is the practitioner you're you're blinding the practitioner's influence on the patient because we we don't want to have that influence we want to mm -hmm. know is it strictly the drug or the herb I'm actually opposed to that on so many levels because I actually believe that a lot of the magic is 
in the therapeutic relationship, the therapeutic relationship between a clinician and between the person who's coming to them asking for assistance and, and for guidance and for help. And when I want to partner with somebody on, on, on whatever treatment it is, whatever intervention we're doing, I want to, I want them to know that I believe in them and I believe that this is going to work, that we're, that we're going to get there together. I don't, I don't know how many times it's happened that, you know, before somebody leaves my office and they haven't taken anything, they're like, I already feel so much better. I feel so mm -hmm. much better, Dr. Lodog. That, that is powerful. And it's something that that I think you you never want to discount. And I think that most traditional cultures would say to take that out of the equation is to take away the power in many ways mm -hmm. of whatever it is that we're giving somebody. The placebo is not something bad. Imagine if 30% of people get better from something in a placebo-controlled trial. Well, how could we harness that placebo better? Mm -hmm. I mean, how could we use the mind, power, and belief? We say it like it's a bad thing, mm -hmm. that somebody, it was a placebo response. And right. I'm like, wow, that's like the best response, right? right? So, the, so I'm not opposed to them. I just think that we have to be careful to realize that, especially with herbal medicines, many that have millennia of use across diverse cultures that were not even in contact with one another, that use them for the same purpose, that that is in itself a form of evidence. Mm -hmm. And we're never going to have the money to study all of the plants that peoples have used all around the world. We just right. won't. Right. And so I think we're going to have to have a different way of looking at some of this evidence. And I do think long history of use and, and a pretty good understanding of safety. I think we want to make sure that there's there's pretty reasonable safety. I think that's 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 pretty strong evidence in in and of itself. Right. But that means that a patient needs to have a therapeutic relationship with their their clinician. You yes. Know? So you mentioned that uh, there was a case where a woman was low in B6, yes. and that was due to uh, taking oral contraceptives, yes. uh, or at least that played a part. Yes. But you needed to look at her chart and to know what to test for. Right. So what do patients do when you go to a GP that just you know runs you know runs a battery of tests and it's not necessarily specific to your situation. Um, can you talk a little bit about that dynamic? Sure. I think that um, in general, many Western trained clinicians um, are, are not well trained in nutrition or nutritional medicine, mm -hmm. which would also include biochemical monitoring or testing of certain nutrients. Mm -hmm. I really would like there to be more uh, panels of nutrients available so that also we could drive the cost down, right? So that the panel could be just like we would order cholesterol or, right. you know, things like this so that we could get the key nutrients. The, the relationship to sleep is that B6, when it's, when you're deficient in B6, it actually can cause insomnia because B6 is necessary for the production of serotonin and melatonin. Mm -hmm. Melatonin's what helps us know that it's dark outside. There are about 30 million Americans that are deficient in B6 according to the CDC's biomonitoring surveillance program. That's significant. That's and that is a lot when you consider how yeah. many people live in the United States. Um, but also the, the a significant portion of those people were women and a significant portion of the women were taking oral contraceptives, which we've known now for quite some time really drops B6. So 
somebody who's complaining of insomnia and maybe some low-grade depression, and she's also on oral contraceptives, a pyridoxal 5-phosphate would be, would be something that you would want to check. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's right. not routinely checked. Vitamin D, people are not routinely checking it. Right. Magnesium, red cell magnesium. Mm-hmm. So I do... You know, like there are there are places you can get tests, like request a test. Mm-hmm. Um, people can, you know, go on and they can, you know, they can order a panel of these kinds of tests and they go to their laboratory right there in their town that they would go to any, mm-hmm. to get any other blood test and they can get it tested and then, you know, they can get the results. I think this is good. But it was a main reason that I wrote my book with National Geographic, Fortify Your Life, because in the back I have... Like if if these are things that you have, if these are medications you're taking, if these are some of your mm-hmm. symptoms, these are the things you should have checked that that you should ask mm-hmm. to have checked. And if your clinician will not check them, well, you should just order them yourself. And you know, many of us have like a thousand or twenty five hundred deductibles, dollar mm-hmm. deductibles now with our healthcare. And I think we should be able to order our own labs, and those should and and they are actually if you go through a regular lab, they're mm-hmm. they're just part of your deductible. Mm-hmm. But I. You know, how would you feel if you're one of the 30 million people who's not sleeping well and you're kind of depressed and your memory's not good and now you're on an antidepressant and you're on a sleeping medication Mm -hmm. and the problem was you just don't have enough. You just don't have enough B6, but nobody thought to look. Yeah, that's devastating. Yeah, it is. And I think that we see this much more than, I think it's more prevalent than we are aware of. Mm -hmm. If we just look at the CDC's data, I mean, there you know, 18 million Americans deficient in B12, you know, 16 million deficient in vitamin C. I mean, come on. Wow. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah. so so these are, you know, these are these are important issues. And when we think that everybody's getting everything they need in their diet, which is the mantra that we always mm-hmm. say, everybody's getting everything they need in their diet. I think that's I think that's almost dangerous because it lulls people into a sense that if they just eat whatever they're eating, that they're going to get everything they need. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not true because we know how people eat today. And, right. and even people who, with best of intentions, try to eat well, if you're on an oral contraceptive right. to prevent pregnancy, you still may be eating really well. But it takes a lot to get B6 if you're taking something that's actually interfering mm-hmm. with your ability to use and metabolize it. Right, and then so many other prescription drugs and there are other interactions with... Oh, Lord. Yeah. Proton pump inhibitors are a huge one, you mm-hmm. know, for just so... Magnesium, you know, mm-hmm. it's like anybody that's been on a PPI longer than a year, the FDA's got a warning label on it mm-hmm. because it can cause magnesium levels to go so low. Magnesium also helps with relaxation. It helps with insulin regulation. It helps mm-hmm. with your heart rhythm. And it can also help us... Um, sleep better. So, you know, sometimes people will say, well, magnesium doesn't help me sleep. And other people will say, well, yes, it's really working well. It could be that the people that it are really, it's helping, maybe the people who have low levels, mm-hmm. but because nobody ever checks right. it, we have no idea. Right. So, you know, I think, I think that more personalized medicine in the future will help us be able to be able to better uh, make better recommendations for what specific nutrients might be very beneficial for people. Mm-hmm. And I think the industry um, as a whole manufacturers that 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 can that can start to also be thinking where the ball is moving mm-hmm. in the next ten mm-hmm. years, like where are we going with this? I, I think we'll recognize that um, that that ma- managing stress, enhancing resiliency, um, 
and, and making sure that we are working on ways to identify key nutrient deficiencies in people. I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for industry to really help people. Um, and, and, you know, sleep, stress, obesity, these, you know, it's a tidal wave. Mm-hmm. This is what's this is what's going to this is what's killing people. I mean, it's taking people's lives, and I think that it's going to take a joint effort of everybody. I think it's going to take public health policies. I think it's going to take manufacturers. I think it's going to be clinicians, and I think a lot of it's going to end up the consumers. We have to give them the education that they need so that they can better care for themselves. Because look, I if I see a patient, you know, 30 minutes every other month, you know, I've seen them right. three hours in a year. They live with themselves 24 hours a day, seven days right. a week. No clinician is going to be able to really help them. They're going to have to find ways to help mm-hmm. themselves and have us partner with them. And I think consumer education is is, is key. And empowerment. Mm-hmm. Empowering people to claim and own their own health, I think, is so important. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lodon. That was fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts.